What's good, football fans? Welcome back to the Fourth and a Mile podcast alongside my good friends, Brady, Bradley, and Jeremy. My name is Josh, and we appreciate you all tuning in. So this is the last full week before the NFL draft. Boys, how are we doing? Gentlemen, happy Easter. First happy Easter, everyone. Recording on Sunday evening. Did you guys have a great time with your families this weekend? Certainly did. Well, yeah, I, I mean... Wish- it's just snowing now. Yeah, the snow is kind of tough. It's normally usually partake in a nice little Easter egg outdoor hunt, but uh, that was uh, adapted a little bit due to uh, 35 degrees and flurries. That's right. So we get to talk quarterbacks today, and we get to do some over and unders. You want to know for- what the crazy thing about this is? Is if we any other draft class, this would have probably been one of the first positions we talked about. <laughs> right. That's that's the crazy part. Um, we don't have any NFL notables, so are we are we ready to just jump right into the quarterbacks? Unless you guys know something that I don't know about the NFL. Did a trade happen within the last fifteen minutes? Did you guys see that Bradbury could get cut? Who? Uh, James. James. Bradbury. I thought you meant. Garrett. I thought, I thought I you meant Garrett Bradbury, Bradbury like, as well. I don't I like, think no so. <laughs> I. That would be. Crazy. I've heard. I've, I've heard talks about it. Like if they can't get a, a trade, I. I don't understand. Like, why don't you just keep good players? <laughs> and it's got to be something contractual, right? It's got to be. I guess it has to be. I, I, that's the only thing that really makes any sense to me. So I'm a big Sauce Gardner fan. I think he's going to the Giants too. But if I'm them and, and I want to keep Bradbury because I know he's a good player, I'm going to try and trade one of these picks and get a first rounder for next year and just kick the can down the road from the, for a, from a salary cap perspective. So uh, – but and, and you think about who who did they bring in as their defense coordinator? Wink. And, and what does Wink need? He needs elite corners. corners that can press so he can blitz. James Bradbury, Sauce Gardner, like that's, that's pretty fun. good. Who's their other corner right now? Does anybody have I, a? I a no, I don't. I don't. But I I would take those two over who else they have. Okay, because Josh is looking it up right now. Um, Cause I'm trying to, I, I'm interested to know who the other corner is on their roster because I, I've almost penciled in sauce Gardner at five or seven to the giants. And that's if he doesn't go forward at the jets. Dory right. Jackson. Interesting. Well, he's he's kind of transitioned more into a slot corner just with his speed. So, I mean, it's good piece. Like it's, it's not a slouch by any means, but. I like the idea of pairing sauce with James Bradbury. I, I totally agree. Yeah, I like that too. Um, so anything else besides James Bradbury possibly getting cut? Or are we ready to talk some quarterbacks? Let's, Let's dive into it. the quarterbacks. Okay. Bradley made this point early on. And so quarterback's my position. Um, while we were offline, he made a point that this might have been the first position in, in normal years that we probably would have talked about. We're probably going to talk about five maybe six guys throughout this whole segment taking a deep deep dive into the quarterback class um so we're gonna i'm gonna start with my top five give a little brief overview on the players um you guys just add in on the players whenever you want to we'll talk about a sleeper we'll do a hype train then we'll introduce our fourth mile man which will be completed before the draft um but let's get right into it so my number five quarterback is matt corral he measured in at just under 6'2 at the combine, which in my opinion was a little bit bigger than what I was expecting. I, I expected him to be just a, a 
tad over six feet tall, but um, medium to small size quarterback um, had a ton of success in the SEC last year. Um, so I'm going to break it down into things that I like and things that I think he still needs to work on or possibly a weakness. So um, what I really like is his, his quick compact release. You saw it in his pro day too. The ball gets out of his hand real fast. Um, I, I think it's the best in the class. He's got a really quick release. Um, his short to medium accuracy is very good as well. It's either the best in the class or it's the second best in the class. And then one other thing that is very good too, that I think it's underlooked is his mobility. Um, but it's kind of something I, I don't like too, because um, which I guess goes into his weakness. I think he's a little bit fragile and he tries to do too much with his legs sometimes. So you see college athletes or college uh, football players tend to try and run instead of throw it away. I think this is the case with Matt Corral too. Um, so I, he's a little bit fragile and we saw that in his, um, his bowl game too. So uh, he, was it a foot injury that he had? Ankle, I think it was. Foot, ankle, same thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, Doc? Nah. <laughs> okay. Um, a couple other things that I think he still needs to work on. I don't think he has the strongest arm. I think he's got a good arm, um, but I don't think he has the strongest arm in this class, but his deep ball accuracy is okay. Um, and then he definitely holds on to the ball too long. So take sacks, case in point, his injury in the bowl game too. Um, so that's a little bit about Matt Corral. You guys have anything to add about him? No, I think we, we should just kind of let you go through it and then we'll kind of just touch on some players afterwards. Okay, chime in. So this one, uh, number four, um, might be a little bit of a surprise, Sam Howell. He is the 6'1 quarterback from North Carolina. Um, he had a ton of success in his previous year, so not this last year, but the year before, with a lot of talent around him. So what I like, his arm strength, in my opinion, is the best. In the, I, throw, he, I think he throws the best deep ball in this class. Doesn't mean he has the strongest arm, but I think he throws the best deep ball. So when it comes to accuracy and how far he can throw the ball to, um, so I think he's got the best as when it comes to that, um, his competitiveness. So you, when you watch the film, you just see how competitive he is. Not a guy that's going to slide, which I guess you could probably say is a weakness, but you just hear about the intangibles that he has um, as far as the competitive and the toughness that he has. Um, I would say the way he moves is comparable to Dak Prescott. I don't know if you guys have seen any film. It seems similar like to that. that. He's a, he's a bigger guy. Um, so he's not going to try and juke you out. He's going to run through you. Um, so that that would be my comp as far as him running. I'm not saying he's Dak Prescott, but he does show some traits to that. Um, and I think his durability is a strength for him as well. Some things that need to be desired. His throwing motion is really weird. I don't know if you guys have seen him throw. He throws when his back foot comes off the ground when he throws. It's super I've weird. I've seen videos of that. I don't know what to make of it. He still throws a really nice ball, but I wonder if some team's going to bring him in and be like, Hey, you got to keep your back foot on the ground. It's just, it's super weird. Um, it's something that I picked up on as well. Um, his decision-making in his senior year was very suspect gunslinger mentality, trying to make too much out of the talent he had around him. I, I think I saw this uh, box score one time. He had over 20 carries in a game. You don't, <laughs> you don't want that. That's not going to happen. Um, and then another Another weakness or question to be had is, can you run an NFL system? UNC just ran a really weird RPO shotgun system. He's a 6'1 quarterback. Can he get under center and run an actual NFL offense? I'm not totally sure, um, but that's just something to keep in mind, too, with Sam Howell. So with that, we'll move to number three. This is where I made a little bit of change after um, the pre-draft process. process. 
Um, Kenny Pickett, 6'3 quarterback from Pitt. Um, he really busted onto the scene this last year. Uh, I saw something where before this last year, he was a mid to late day three pick. Just crazy. Just went absolutely nuts. You could say it's like a Joe Burrow type thing, but I, I just I, – I struggle with the one-year wonders to see if they're Joe Burrow or if there's something else. Um, so what I like, his accuracy. So I talked about Matt Corral's short to mid-length um, accuracy. The other person in that competition who is the best in this class is Kenny Pickett. He has really good accuracy. I think it's probably the best in the class. His mobility is really good. Everybody sees the play where he fake slid and ran in the end zone. Um, I think he throws on the run extremely well. I, in my opinion, it's either him or Malik Willis. That's probably the best in the class at this. Um, and then his touch passes. I, I noticed when watching film, he's got a really nice touch to his pass. I don't think he has the, uh, the best deep ball, but um, his accuracy is very, very good. So let's talk about some weakness. Hand size. I know we're not going to make a big deal about it on this pod, but the hand size is a concern because he had 26 fumbles in 52 games. Every other game he had a fumble. So let's just, that's, that's an issue. So I don't, he's obviously not going to get bigger hands, but he needs to learn how to protect the football. So um, I think the overall ceiling might be a weakness as well. We talked about pro ready him and one of the other guys in this class, I would say are the most pro ready class pro ready in this class. I'm not going to give the guy's name away. Um, and then the last weakness for him, in my opinion, is the, the flash in the pan. So the one-year wonder, are we getting senior season Kenny Pickett or are we getting sophomore and junior season Kenny Pickett? It, it's just a, it's a case study because I feel like every single year we're going to have a, a player like this and it's like, oh, you're going to look back at Joe Burrow or in two years we're going to look back and say, oh, he's Kenny Pickett. He's not going to be what he was the, for that one year. Uh, Malik Willis. So the, he is number two on my list. Surprise, surprise. Um, six foot and a half from Liberty. Surprise. <laughs> None of us three are surprised by that, by the way. I mean, as far as the draft community, that is surprising, but just the way you talk about the other guy who's your number one is not surprising, but go ahead. Talk about Malik Willis. He's a really good player. Uh, Josh, what school did he go to? Liberty, 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 <laughs> Liberty. Thank you. Um, so what to like, I, I was not ready for that. I know <laughs> the there's two main things to really like about Malik Willis besides the overall ceiling of his game. So it's, it's the athleticism. Obviously he is the most athletic quarterback in this class. Um, one stat that I saw, he broke 146 tackles at Liberty in his career. That is incredible. So uh, he can run the football. He he's a dual threat quarterback. Um, and then I would say, the other strength is his arm strength. So um, he has the strongest arm in the class when it comes to how far you can throw the football down the field. I'm not sure about the, the sideline to sideline, quick, get it to an out route. But as far as throwing the ball down the field, I would say he has the strongest arm in the class. So let's talk about weaknesses. And I think this could be where we have a conversation. Um, his decision-making issues. It's it's not great on film. It's like, what did you see in this play? Like some of the games where he had three picks and it's like the competition you're playing is not that good for a, a number six overall pick that took for Carolina to take him there. Um, as far as the decision-making goes, accuracy is still a concern. Obviously the pro day looked really good, but when you watch the film, there is some accuracy issues as well. 
Another concern or a weakness I would say is the ability to drop back in the pocket. So um, when he gets outside the pocket, he's electric, but can he do a seven to 10 step drop? I think it's still yet to be seen as well. Um, and then the last one, which I think can be applied to the, the last person we talked about is the level of competition. When you saw him play Ole Miss, was it Ole Miss is just so much better than Liberty that nobody around Malik Willis could help. Like the offense line is a lot worse than Ole Miss's defense line. Or is it like, okay, Malik is not making everybody better around him. I would say it's more so the, the level of competition that Ole Miss is compared to what Liberty is, but that is still a, a concern going forward. And then I think the last thing I want to say before I open it up to you guys on Malik Willis, we knew he was going to kill the, the pre-draft process. We knew he was going to do well with all this stuff. So I, I think moving him up so high after knowing he was going to do so good, that's the concern that I have. It's like, okay, you knew he was going to throw the ball um, extremely well in his pro day, but what about the decision-making process? So that's where, that's where I still ebb and flow on where Malik Willis is going. I still think his, his ceiling is all the way up at pick two with Detroit. And I think he could fall to 12. I would say, I don't think the Vikings are going to take him at 12, but I think somebody could trade up at straight up to 12 to get Malik Willis. Any thoughts on Malik Willis before I talk about the other guy? Yeah. Uh, so for me, if I, if I'm a GM, when I, when I am thinking about the quarterback position, the, this position changes your franchise. And I don't think that there is a reason why you should be conservative at all. Meaning that I think you should look at the guy that has the highest ceiling and say, Yes, that's the guy that I want. And for me, that that is Malik Willis. He has the highest ceiling. He can make any throw that you want mm -hmm. on the field, He, which can hurt him as well. Like, we, we've seen it hurt him as well. Uh, Brady alluded to some of his decision-making flaws, or flaws, I should say. I think that's coachable. Uh, just listening to what, what Kevin O'Connell's talked about with, with how he views the quarterback position, he, he makes it seem like it's the coach's job to say, hey, this is your progression, one, two, and three. And I think if he goes to the right system, he really will flourish and, and can honestly change a franchise. But I also see the the world where, hey, he's a Liberty guy and he and he's sitting in the Josh Rosens of the world. Josh, before you go, I just want to add one quick thing. Um, we talk about the edge class and how Trayvon Walker's ceiling is so high and he should be drafted number two or number one. I'm not sure why we can't have that same conversation with Malik Willis at a more premium position than edge rusher. So um, I agree totally with what Bradley said. I would bet on the, the possibility of what he can be because similar to Trayvon Walker of like, let's go for the, the highest he can be, which is I think a, a top five to seven quarterback in the league. If he, if he fix some of these things and gets mm -hmm. into the right um, system. And I just, the thing that just kind of popped into my head is Malik Willis is like totally um, the antithesis of Mac Jones. Like what Mac Jones is, was good at last year in the process, uh, Malik Willis isn't necessarily. Where Malik Willis was hurt on is that ceiling and that his floor was maybe a little bit higher, that he was going to be like NFL ready, that he was going to be someone that's going to be able to run an offense, but isn't going to be able to make those off schedule plays for you down the field and win you football games. Whereas Malik Willis, like Bradley was saying, is going to be that game breaking, potentially that game breaking player. And I think the team that picks him is going to, it's going to show that they have confidence in their 
uh, quarterback coach, their offensive uh, coordinator, and their head coach that they can mold him uh, to those things that are coachable. Because the way I think of it is like, you want a guy that has a lot of the intangibles that aren't coachable. Like, so it gives you an opportunity to mold him the way you want to and fit your system in like being able to have that decision-making, be able to have that accuracy. And we've seen that work in the, um, in recent history. And I know if Josh Allen wasn't a thing, I think the hype on Malik Willis would be significantly less. Um, so it's just kind of an interesting thought experiment. Before you go, Jeremy, cause I know you got some good stuff to add as well. Josh, I'm going to need you to say antithesis three times as fast as you can. <laughs> antithesis, antithesis, antithesis. Thank you. Impressive. I'm impressed by that. Than I expected. Um, Brady, I really like your point on Trayvon Walker. And I think like that's something that we alluded to on, on, I believe last week's episode is that we haven't been talking about quarterback much up until the last like week, week or two. And, and like, because of the importance of that position and what these players could potentially be for these franchises, I think like that's why we're going to end up seeing quarterbacks, more quarterbacks going higher than what was talked about originally, because as when it boils down to it, these, these, teams are looking at what this could do at this premium of a position. And if you're willing to take a flyer on Trayvon Walker, who you can look at his win rates, you can look at the sack, like, like there's nothing outside of traits saying we should take this guy top three. So like, if you're going to do that at edge, you should probably be doing that at quarterback. And I think people will. And that's why, you know, that's why we talk about Malik Willis is possibly going number two, because he does have all of the, he checks all the boxes to get there. And to your guys' point about decision-making, I, I think he can get there. You know, it's a different environment playing with, you know, maybe somebody who isn't up to the talent that you are. Like when you're at Liberty, you just, you, you try to lean on your talent. You're making different decisions that maybe you wouldn't make if you're playing around better players, you're in a better environment, you're playing with a better, you know, better mind, whatever to put you to be successful. So I do think that changes too, like you guys alluded to. And he is the type of quarterback and has the traits that says we can get this guy and we can win because of Malik Willis. Uh, and, and when you have that potential, that's why you get drafted in, you know, top six, top five. Uh, last thing about Malik, then we can get into Brady's first guy. So do you think, I think we all agree that it'd be in his best interest to redshirt his uh, rookie year, correct? I don't know. <clears throat> I don't I, think probably. so. It, it would help. I, I think it for sure would help. Do you think that regardless of, the landing spot that it's like the consensus around the league that yep we're taking you for your upside but we need you to you know refine some things and for that reason we're gonna put you on the bookshelf for a year and then we're gonna reevaluate after that year do you think regardless of the landing zone that's gonna happen regardless no i think I if he goes to carolina he's gonna play because matt rule's uh, got to save his job what absolutely what i yeah. what i will say about the the year off to learn I think we're in a day and age where quarterbacks don't necessarily need that year off. I think you look at Trey Lance where he had the, uh, the FCS and he kind of needed to, to get that, that year of experience, but, or that year of, of molding, what's the best way to learn like trial by fire, in my opinion, like go out there and see it. I mean, obviously having that veteran quarterback to sit there in the quarterback room with you, I think is, is crucial, but at the end of the day, like, I think the best experience is getting out there and playing football games. I think Malik Willis's ideal landing spot is Detroit at two because they got to keep Jared Goff, start grooming the offense to be what Malik Willis is going to be the next year. That's what, that's what I think. 
Um, do exactly what you did with Lamar Jackson. You had Joe Flacco there. If by week six, seven, eight, this is when you want to flip it over to him and you're 0-7, 0-8, and you want to see what you have with him, do that. I, I don't know. Um, but then I also see where Carolina comes in and they're like, you're playing week one because if if we're 0-6, we might get fired. I, I like your a good landing spot for being Detroit. I actually think the Steelers might be the best. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, agreed. Because I just of don't the think leadership. You, there. Yeah. No, I don't think so either. And that's probably why you said that. Um, but that, like, just the leadership there with Tomlin, uh, uh, what they've wanted to do traditionally in their yeah. passing game, like, I think that would that be, would be fun. For him. Before we talk, we agree he's going to, he, I guess not. That's, I was going to say, do we agree that he's going to be the first quarterback taken? But I don't, I think Pickett has a strong chance. Do we think Willis is a top 10 draft pick this year? I'd be shocked if he's not. Yes, I think he's a top 10 draft pick. Yes, I think so. Okay. Too. We can table the Malik Willis conversation. Let's talk about my number one prospect. He goes by the name of Devin Carson Ritter. Strong. Not a chance. <laughs> oh, heck no. <laughs> I almost did a spit take. Oh, oh. my. <laughs> The 6'3 stud from Cincy is my quarterback one. Uh, there's a lot to like about Desmond Ritter, in my opinion. Let's start with the measurables. He is 6'3. I think he needs to gain some weight. I think he was at 211. That's a little, little light. Um, but get into an NFL system, gain some weight. Um, but like 33 inch arms, 10 inch hands. Like he, he checked all the boxes when it comes to like a quarterback's. Um, measurables. Let's talk about the intangibles. Um, a lot of people say he's the best leader in the class. Talk about um, Luke Fickle coming, went on to um, national medias and talked about his leadership, him and a couple other guys in defense changed the program at Cincinnati. Um, on Good Morning Football, they came and said like people were blown away by him at the Senior Bowl, just basically taking charge. In my opinion, probably the best leader in this class. I think he's pro ready as well. He's gotten better every single year he's at Cincinnati. Um, and I think that trend continues. Um, the athleticism is there. I think that's th something that doesn't get talked about enough with Desmond Ritter. He ran a four or five mm -hmm. That's plenty good. Um, and then as far as him throwing the football, I think he's got a very capable arm that is underrated. Um, and then I really like the touch passes that he has. Um, it reminds me a little bit of, Andrew Luck, the way he has touch passes. I'm not saying he's Andrew Luck, so don't hear what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying about that. But I think when he has some of the touch passes over the middle to tight ends, slot receivers, it reminds me a little bit of how um, Andrew Luck lolly, lollipops and passes over the middle. And in all in a good way, um, I think Ritter does it a little bit too much, which might need some coaching. Um, but let's talk about a couple of things that um, I think he needs to improve on. His accuracy has definitely been a concern. Um, we've documented that pretty well on this podcast. He needs to improve a little bit on that. Um, I've seen some concerns about his throwing motion. When I saw it too, it's, I mean, he's got longer arms. He's a bigger guy. He's got kind of a, a long throwing motion. My guess is he's, he's currently working on it now um, with his quarterback coach. You saw um, the transformation Jalen Hurts had with his throwing motion as well too. I'm guessing he's working on getting that a little bit more compact. Um, and then the last thing is the same exact thing with Malik Willis is the, the competition. He, he played in a group, group of five conference. Um, so we've talked about the Alabama game. It wasn't great. Um, 
But then I watched the Notre Dame game. I was like, okay, that's that's a pretty good game. You went out and beat Notre Dame on the road. That You played pretty well too. So um, that's still a question mark as well. Um, but in my opinion, the the things to like way outweigh the the concerns. Obviously, he needs to figure out the accuracy, but I I believe in the person and I believe in the the willingness to improve that he's going to improve on that accuracy as well. Yeah, I think what you said that's most important is the intangibles. The the leader of men you saw when he ran his forty yard dash time, his his teammates were celebrating for him. His coaches talked very highly of him. He's he's a very mature quarterback which is something that you want leading your team. He did have success at Cincinnati, which is important. One thing you didn't really talk about that that's pretty important is his athleticism. He, he's crazy athletic. He, he tested very, very well. You talked about it. You did. Yep. Well, thank you. You talked more so about he's in a ran of four or five. Okay. Well, he's tested <laughs> probably the best out of any quarterback in the combine, which, which is important. Um, so he does need to clean up his throwing, but as far as a, a good base, um, you can lean on that athleticism as a rookie. Yeah, I think that's one thing that is getting swept under the rug a little bit is that Malik is so dynamic, like athletically and, you know, off schedule that I do agree, though, that Malik, uh, Desmond Ritter is kind of getting swept under the rug in that category of him being athletic and being dynamic outside of the pocket and someone who can be able to rush for like four or five hundred yards a year. I think that's within the realm of possibility. And so. I do think that is something that he is not getting discussed enough. And I think he is maybe lock is maybe, I don't feel great about that, but do you feel he is a lock in the first round? Yes. Yeah, I do. I, I think when draft day comes, people are going to understand the importance of getting that fifth year for a quarterback. Absolutely. Considering what like the chargers have done with their defense due to Justin Herbert. That's being a really a good point. Deal, yeah, I think people will value, hey, we'll take a first round chance on Desmond Ritter. And maybe if we need a cornerback, we'll get a really solid corner day two. Another thing I'll say about Ritter in terms of like the leadership, like it's not just the draft process that people have come out of meetings and said this, like, look at where Cincinnati was a couple of years ago and look where they are now. A big piece right. of that is Ritter. And I would say, and Brady knows I brought this up a bunch, but I've really what has stuck in my mind is his last game, you know, and I, I felt like I was giving him the short end of the stick. So I went back and watched some more. I have moved him to my number two. And because in my opinion, I don't know how you can look at Kenny, like let's say Kenny Pickett or Desmond Ritter. Like, I don't know if the Kenny Pickett's thing is, Oh, he's the most ready. Look at what Ritter's done in the last, like how could he not be just as ready? Plus a he's younger and B I think his ceiling is higher athletically. So I, like, I don't know how you could necessarily look at that and say, ah, I'm going to choose Pickett. Like, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me anymore just going back and watching it. I still have Pickett three. Um, but when you when you stand that up to each other, like, the athletic traits are there, plus everything else he has, like, total body of work. I mean, you can watch him against – the main game I watched and focused on was the, the Notre Dame game. And he – you know, he makes some not great decisions, but, like, so does everybody. And like, I, th I think when you're splitting hairs, like for some reason, this Kenny Pickett all most ready thing comes up, but I don't know how you could say that and not say that for Desmond Ritter. If you want to watch peak Desmond Ritter, watch Tulsa and watch SMU. It, I think I, I showed Bradley one of the clips of him against Tulsa where he threaded a needle that was like 20 yards down the field. And it was like, well, 
Like that's that's really really good film. Yeah, yeah, like that's that's really good. Um, do I think he's going to be the first quarterback taken? No, I don't even think he's going to be the second quarterback taken. Um, but Seattle likes him. Seattle had a meeting with him. Um, I could see Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh would be a great fit for him. Um, so yeah, let's let's hear your guys's top five. I'm assuming we have the same five quarterbacks. Yeah, we do. I, I went Willis. Willis won a pretty sizable gap, then followed by Ritter, and then Pickett, and then I went Sam Howell, and then I went Matt Corral. That's exactly what I have. I had Willis, Pickett, Ritter, Corral, Howell, but that is you make a pretty compelling case to flip Ritter and Pickett. Wait, wait can I just um, can I offer up a nickname? You can take it. If it's for Desmond Ritter, please don't. It is. No, don't do it. I would like to hear it. The movie, the Batman, the movie, the Batman just came out and the main antagonist for that movie is the Riddler. Desmond Riddler, baby. No. Oh, no, No. that's that's a thing. We're making it. Can I I be honest with you? That exceeded my expectations as far as how bad it was. (laughs) I had had a very low bar and it dropped below that. Boy, that was a roller coaster of emotions on that sentence. You like exceeded my expectations. I'm like, yes. I'm a let's talk. Oh. Let's talk sleeper for the quarterback position. Does anybody want to give a sleeper? I mean, I'll give just for the arm strength alone. I think I'll just give Sam Howell. I don't think there's anyone that's like super far down. That is, I mean, I could totally be wrong, but that's going to be worth shouting out here but for me it's sam hollow just based on the arm strength and that he did have a lower last year at uh, unc because he did lose a lot of um big players to the nfl um with javante and um uh, help me out running back for michael the, carter yeah, yeah michael carter um so that's me for uh, my sleeper and diami brown. brown uh i also had sam Howell. i i'm a very, very big fan of Sam Howell. I think there's a lot of good things that he can do in the NFL. And when Brody throws out the name Dak Prescott with, with Sam Howell, I, I, I'm i all in. I, I did it, like it, that a lot. It, it makes a lot of sense. That, that it's not like a necessarily a comp as far as players, but like coming out of, coming out of uh, Mississippi State, this is kind of where, where Dak Prescott was as well. It's not act like Dak Prescott was a top 30 pick. So I, I see it and, and I like it. So uh, Jeremy, I'll give you per, or let you say a person, then I'll throw another name out there. Yeah, I, I had Sam Howell as well. Um, I know I've talked about it before, and Brady mentioned, uh, you know, alluded to it a little bit, but we talk about that just the talent he lost from the previous year to this most recent year. And like, yes, you want to be able to still see your your potential franchise quarterback be able to overcome those things, and I think he still did. Now his stats took a hit, but like he was figuring out how to do that again. And and Brady mentioned his twenty rush attempts in a game like it was basically because he just said wow screw it I'm just gonna run the ball instead of trying to throw it so he's the youngest I know this doesn't matter as much as some other positions but he's the youngest of our of the other five four that we've mentioned in our top five so I mean he still has room to grow and his talent has definitely showed enough that I think he could uh, be a like a very capable starter I'll give you my sleeper I went with Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky um, he's a guy that's outside the top five. Uh, he's my seventh quarterback. Um, but you know exactly what you're going to get. You get a guy 
they always say the word gamer. So like the first one in helping, he's not going to be a starting quarterback. He's going to be a guy that comes in and helps the starting quarterback. He's a backup third string quarterback um, that comes in and is incredibly smart. Doesn't have the best arm, um, but he, I, he broke the, what the college record for touchdowns in a season mm-hmm. um, at Western successful. Kentucky. So he, he has the success. Um, my mind goes to someone like Jake Browning who had ultra success in college football can translate it to um, the NFL, not on the field, but more so intellectually. Um, so that's where it's like, okay, that's, that's worth a, a sixth round pick. What, what are you going to like fifth, sixth round pick probably for him um, come in back up somebody like, I mean, if the Vikings drafted him in the sixth round, cool. Like that's, if you get something more than what you actually thought, like if you get a, not, I, I can't think of a quarterback on day three that was like that panned out more than Tom Brady. So like that's the only like, I was hoping for someone else. He's not going to be Tom Brady, obviously, but like somebody who has the intangibles that we always talk about, a great backup third string quarterback. I'll say Bailey Zappi for the sleeper. Another name that we haven't mentioned that would probably fall under this sleeper category would be Carson Strong. Uh, last name says it all. He's got a very big time arm and played in a, a spread system at Nevada, and he can he can chuck the football. So maybe with some coaching, he could turn that uh, arm strength into something useful in the NFL. That's fair. Um, he doesn't like him. <laughs> that's yeah. fine. I, I, I don't care that Breed doesn't like him. <laughs> you feel like it was more of a product of his environment or a product of his ta- lack of talent or lack thereof? Oh. I, I'm asking Brady. I, honestly, I, I, I'm not sure. He just screams like a, a – a Ryan Mallet to me, who's <laughs> just like can't move. He's got injury concerns and his strong arm. So, like, I, is he going to get drafted? Do you guys think he goes day two? No. Third round? Oh, maybe third round. Late third, I could see. I could see him going on third round. I don't think so. So, I, I don't know. It wouldn't shock me. It's the quarterback. True. I'm not a big fan for what it's worth. Let's talk hype train. I'm driving. I am driving. I'm throwing the coal in the train. I'm doing everything for Desmond Raider's hype train. So if there's anyone else, please. He's the answer. We know Josh is doing doing, uh, Malik Willis. No, (laughs) no. It's. I mean, the answer is Ritter. I'm sorry. The Riddler. But uh, yeah, Brady, I'm making anything. Stop. It's it's already (sighs) done. All right, so we have talked about our mile man for some time now. Um, our mile man is Desmond Ritter, quarterback Cincinnati. Congratulations, um, Desmond. Yeah, welcome to the team. I think we all we all like the intangibles that he has. And then, like I said, we think that he can improve on some of the weaknesses that he has based on the intangibles and the continuous improvement that he's shown in his three years at Cincinnati. Agreed? Agreed. Congrats, 100%. Desmond. You're leading our squad. Congrats to Desmond Ritter being a mile man. Get on Let's- my squad. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and do some over-unders. Hi, guys. This is Jeremy Becker from the 4th and a Mile podcast. Just wanted to thank you guys for tuning in and remind you to follow us on Twitter at 4th and a Mile Pod. That's 4th and a Mile Pod. Thanks, guys. And now back to the sports. Welcome back into the 4th and a Mile podcast. 
we are doing some over-unders to finish out the pod. So we have um, some prospects with over-under draft spots. We're going to give our thoughts on where they're getting picked. Um, so let's get right into it. We are starting with offensive tackle Charles Cross. Um, his over-under is set at seven and a half. What are our thoughts on this? I feel pretty confident in the over uh, for the Charles Cross. Uh, seven and a half seems too low for me. So I, the, of, the, of all of these, this is one that I'm almost the, the most confident in. Let, let me tell you the world where it's an under. I also have it as an over, but it means that no quarterback is taken in the top six. Yep. So which, which is a, which is very possible. Yep. If Detroit uh, doesn't take one, then it's Houston and, and the Jets and the Giants all might take off at the tackle. So who, who knows? He could be the fifth overall pick. Like there is a world that that happens. I also have over just because I think Malik Willis is going to go in the top six. And there's a world where Carolina trades for Baker Mayfield for like a six yep. round pick. Yep. And they take Charles Cross. That'd be wild. I, I have over as well, but it wouldn't shock me if I, I am rising on him a lot. Like I, I think he is. He's, he's OT too for me. I think he's well-deserved. Of That's it. an absolute mistake. Let's move on. <laughs> Kenny Pickett's over-under is set at nine and a half. Under for me. I have under, but I don't think it should be. It's over. It's It's over over for me, too. It's over. You just talked about it. You just talked about it. Baker Mayfield is going to be wearing a Carolina Panthers jersey. They're going. Robbie don't want him. Robbie does not want him. Robbie can't catch anything. (laughs) Robbie's off the team. I witnessed Robbie Anderson hurt his quarterback more than he helped him when he played the Minnesota Vikings. He had the... (laughs) drops bad it makes a ton of sense to go after baker mayfield if you're a carolina panthers fan i changed my mind i'm going over it's under no it's over you got breaking news for us or what no i just i don't like i don't like it he shouldn't be taking it under so i'm going (laughs) yes attaboy becker yeah becker i don't let these guys try and convince me everything it's under he's picked six josh were you over i was over yep Okay. Uh, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, Ohio State. Um, his line is set at 10 and a half. This one's interesting. Yeah. Under. I have I under, have as, under well. as well. I also have under. That one's really close. Though. It's a good line. I, if it was nine and a half, I'd probably take over, but it all well, depends. Let's, let's look in the top 10, right? There, there's a lot of teams that could use it. There's the Jets at four. You could argue the Giants at five, probably not going to happen. But then the Falcons could take it. Who knows? <laughs> what if Seattle says we're moving on from DK? They say, you know what? Let's get Garrett Wilson. And let's take one of the Packers, pick 22 or 28. There is a world where there's four or five teams in the top 10 that could take a wide receiver. Man. So then if it was 11 and a half, I would like be smashing. <laughs> if, if it included the commanders, I would be smashing the under, but I'll still go under. So this makes it interesting. So you have Garrett Wilson under, we're talking Drake London, wide receiver USC. His is also 10 and a half. Over. Under. Under. I went under as well. Pick I think 10. there's, two, I think Locked there's, and loaded. I think there's, I, I think, I think there's two receivers that get taken in the top 10. That'd be fantastic for the Vikings. That'd be so good. Pick eight and pick 10. I think, I think Atlanta's taking That wouldn't be great receiver. for the Vikings when they're trying to take a wide receiver at 12. We're not trying to. Be perfect because then they take a receiver at 12 and Green Bay can't get one either. Ah, nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that back. A dude, Jordan Davis, his over under 
is sitting at 13 and a half. We haven't talked about Jordan for a while. We know Bradley's smashing the over on this one. As am I. Uh, I am actually taking the under. Excuse me. And, and, and here's why. I He's with the Vikings. Skull. I don't feel, as in my opinion, that he's a top 13 player, but I think his – there's nothing like Jordan Davis. We, we, the NFL, I don't think, has seen a guy that big move that fast, have that big of an impact. Somebody, one of the first 13 teams is going to fall in love with what he could do for the defense. So I think he goes in the top 13. There's a realistic possibility he's at with the Vikings. At no, I, and yeah. How would you I, feel about that? He, he would help our run defense. Like he, he would be a big piece to a defense that is, we're going defense. I hope with, with our 12th pick. I remember I a day when I draft mock drafted. Jordan. Yeah, we know. I knew this was coming. So just <laughs> keep your mouth quiet. Okay. Thanks. Did you have over or under Jeremy? Uh, I had over. Tells him, to keep, tells him to keep his mouth quiet, proceeds to immediately ask him a question <laughs> that requires That's a response. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, his te- Jordan Davis's teammate, he's at 14 and a half. I think this is an e- easy over for me. I also had over. I, had I, over I do as well. well. Over. I also think this he, he is ideal one. one, by the way. No, he's not. Um, George Karloftis is at 16 and a half. I hope nobody has the under for this one. I no. I think a better one's 26 and a half. Oh, that's so disrespectful. 10 but spots? In a vacuum, I'm fine with the under. Like, in terms of if he – like, I'm fine with him getting drafted there, but I, I don't think he will. Did you really at just 16, say 26? Did you 26 say 26 and, and a half? half? I would take com- the under on that. Yes. Oh no, the over. Sorry, I think he's getting drafted. I there's a cha- there's a world where he doesn't get drafted in the first round. Definitely not. Not Planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good comeback. Okay, I'm I over. Like that. Okay, I am also over. Bradley's boy Trey McDuffie is sitting at seventeen and a half. <clears throat> I think this is a pretty easy under. Um, I think the Ravens are a really good possibility. I think the Vikings are a pretty good possibility. I think corner is a top three position of top four. Philly at 16. Philly yeah. at 16. I think this is a pretty easy under for me. Agreed. Philly at 16 is why I'm saying under. <laughs> Not the Vikings at 12. <laughs> Not the Vikings at 12. Okay. Back around, the sorry, undisputed... what did you say? Sorry. Go ahead, Jeremy. Under. I was under. Gotcha. Sorry. The undisputed linebacker one, Devin Lloyd, 18 and a half is the over underline. I'll take the over on this one. I'll take the over because it's Devin Lloyd. If it was Nicobe Dean, I'd take the under. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, over for Lloyd at 18 and a half. I just don't think I don't think the league values a linebacker as a top 18 pick. Can you make that same argument for interior defensive line being a top? No, because Aaron Donald has completely shaped the position. We have a fun one that I we don't have on our list right now. Nicobe Dean, 32 and a half, over, under. Over. Uh, probably over. <laughs> probably over. I don't yeah. think he should be. But, Josh, could you tell me who the starting middle linebacker was for the Cincinnati Bengals or the Los Angeles Rams? Logan Wilson for the Bengals. No. <laughs> what, what I'm saying is that, like, we all know 
that Aaron Donald right. was starting for. And that's why teams, because they understand that if you have a solid anchor like Vita Vea or, or something along those lines up front, like it's an absolute game wrecker for an offense. I think, isn't that a mistake to kind of paint the brush of Aaron Donald's position with him versus him just being a freak outlier? I just said Vita Vea. Yeah, but isn't he's more of a run defender versus a, like a pass, like interior pass rush, is he not? He's still, still very valuable. Yeah. Any way to get to the quarterback, interior defensive line does that a lot more than line. And to that point, this, this is what I think the league values. And that's why I'm saying over on Devin Lloyd. I'm not saying that linebacker is not a position of need because I think every position has some sort of weight. And that honestly, it makes a lot of sense why why Bradley said oh, uh, under for Jordan Davis because that's the same point. Yes, right. trying to take your chance on that type of player. Let's talk Trevor Penning. His over under set at sixteen and a half. I'll take the over. I'll take the under. I think I, I also have I the he, under. There's going to be a go lot seventeen. Of I can't get my head out of him going to the Ravens. I think they got to go defense. I do too. But just as far as like a a play style with what they are going to try to do on offense, it just seems like too good of a fit. What about you, Jeremy? I'll go under. Yeah, no, it hurts, doesn't it? It hurts. It hurts when there's a top, not a top 30 player, and you're saying under at, at top 16. Okay. Talk about not top, not third, not a top 30 player. We're talking about Jermaine Johnson. Over under set at nine and a half. Under. I have over. You have over. I think it's over as well. No. I actually feel pretty decent about that as well. You do. You do. Okay. You feel can decent I, about that? Five? I don't feel good about it <laughs> at all. Yeah. I think Seattle. Do you think is most likely what do, you, what do you think is most likely landing spot is? The Giants at or the Jets at 10. Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. I will continue to pound the table for the Jets taking him at four. That would be awesome. That'd just be chaos. I'd love that. What if the what if the draft went um Aiden, KT, Trayvon Walker, then Jermaine? That'd be so sweet. That'd How be so wild cool. Would that be? <laughs> That'd be so cool. Oh man. Okay. Everybody gave Jermaine. Yep. Jeremy was... did not. Yeah, what are you hiding back there for? That would is go. tough. If it was 10 and a half, I'd, I'd definitely say. If I had a dollar for every time I heard that for you, we'd be able to cover all these lines. <laughs> good ones. These are good. What do you, t- what do you got? Come on. Um, give, me the, give me the under, huh? Jeremy? Yeah. The heck yeah. Okay. Let's just preface this by if, if we don't say the under for this guy, oh, just pop off. Oh, it's God. Sauce Gardner at seven and a half. This is like, I would. Go empty my savings account on this. This is under seven and a half is very, very high. I don't I think I do I do have under. I don't I feel bad about it, but I do have under. I have under you. Why do you feel bad about it? Under. He's not getting past the giant second pick. We just talked about it at the beginning. Help me out. Corner that Detroit drafted a couple years ago at three. Jeff Okuda. Do you think he influences anything with 
I'm on Sauce Gardner this year. Not really, because Jalen Ramsey was a top five pick, and he turned out to be okay. That's very true. Man. They're, they're completely different players. And I, I was just using cornerback positionally. It hasn't just worked so out. Very... Sauce is Jalen Ramsey, right? <laughs> God, get off that train. Get okay. off that train. I'm going to die on the hill. So I know uh, you are. Let's finish with our ones got to go. We're talking about linebackers. So these are – I think this is fighting for linebacker two, or are we thinking Nicobe Dean's two? <laughs> Anyways, these linebackers are Chad Muma, Quay Walker, Leo Chanel, and Christian Harris. Bradley, which one's got to go? So I have it. I have Quay Walker uh, as the one that's got to go. Uh, him and Leo Chanel are, are kind of the the bottom two for me in this. It's it's pretty close. I like the consistency more that Leo Chanel has. I do worry a little bit about uh, potential athleticism with him translating in the second uh, or into the NFL. But as far as a foundational piece, uh, Leo is, is far superior to Quay. What do you think, Becker? I don't, I don't feel very confident. He's not going to, he's not going to get rid of Leo. Leo's his guy. We know that. Leo, come on now. (laughs) (laughs) I think the two that it's down to then is, is Quay and Christian Harris. You're tilting right now. I'm going to get rid of Christian Harris. I'm getting rid of Leo. Mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, he'd come over there. He'll bench press you like 20 times. <laughs> I'm getting rid of Christian Harris as well. So I would go Chad Moma, Quay Walker, Leo Chanel. Or Chanel, whatever it is, and then uh, Christian Harris. How I have them ranked is Chad Muma, Christian Harris, Leo Chanel, Quay Walker. Did you guys see that there's like mumblings of Quay Walker possibly going in the first round? Yes, I there is. I have seen that. Wow. That Georgia defense, man. I know. They, you want to talk about a piece of the pie? That, everybody <laughs> wants a piece of oh, that Georgia uh, defense pie. <laughs> that big pie. facts. That pie, the size of Georgia, my word. <laughs> Wow, really? Tough crowd. Well, that <laughs> that wraps up this episode of Fourth and a Mile. Thank you so much for joining us. Go deep, and we'll see you.